The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, this is the Voice of Morgantown podcast. I'm Tyler Peppy. And I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right, we're going to do it a little different tonight. Um, Today, we are going to record two episodes, so be sure to check out both. First, we are going to discuss WVU's dominant victory over Towson, and then we are going to be joined by our good friend Giovanni to cover the Virginia Tech Hokie matchup on Thursday night. So once again, be sure to listen to our interview with him after this episode. So let's get into it. Um, our Mountaineers got their first win of the season against FCS opponent Towson by the score of 65-7. to Absolutely dominant performance. Um, you know, it, it, it does feel good to have a showing like that. Obviously, you know, we shouldn't get too excited or overhype ourselves, but you got to take a win whenever you can. And the Mountaineers absolutely needed something to feel good about after two tough losses to start the year. Um, But my overall thoughts, I mean, WVU did exactly what they should have done. They scored a lot of points against a weaker opponent. They shut down Townsend on defense, which is nice to see for how our defense started the year. And um, yeah, it was just it was good to see the defense have a solid performance. The offense didn't have to punt the ball once the entire game. Um, But overall, I do kind of feel like this is a little reminiscent of the Long Island game last year. You know, it doesn't tell you a whole lot of how we'll how we'll perform against other opponents. Um, but to look at it in a positive light, a lot of backups got playing time. All four quarterbacks played and played well. So, yeah, it's good to see the starters kind of get a chance to rest up before that Black Diamond Trophy matchup on Thursday. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the one thing that I was probably most disappointed about was um, not seeing the young guys play as much. Um, Jacoby Spells had 34 steps, which is good. But according to PFF, it looks like Mumu Bin Mahad only got eight. Andrew Wilson's Lamp got 18. And Ruffin, Floyd, and Ajayi both played, or all three played the most snaps of anyone on the defense. And, you know, Ruffin, Floyd, and Ajayi were three guys that I was hoping to see, you know, less of because I feel like we kind of know what they are and what they bring to the table. Um, where I really kind of wanted to see what the other three guys. Um, younger guys could bring and potentially improve in the secondary. Yeah. Yeah. They did switch some stuff up. Um, you know, they moved some guys around on the defense, like X, X low took Dixon's spot. And then they put Dixon at the spear position. Um, you were saying earlier, it seemed like Dixon didn't get a ton of snaps though. We were at the game. So sometimes that can be a little hard to tell who's in and who's out at certain times. So I didn't realize Dixon hardly played at all, according to PFF. Um, But Sean Martin started the game, which seemed like a no brainer, really. I mean, he's been playing well all year. So I'm glad they gave him a chance to start. Um, I I was expecting to see spells and Mumu in there from the get go. I know they played some in the first half, but I don't believe they started the game, but regardless, it seemed like spells got a lot of snaps. I know you got the number right in front of you there. I forget what it is off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, you know, overall, I'm glad defense got a lot of guys in there. They played great. They allowed zero points. 
I know Townsend had seven, but everyone needs to remember that was on a kickoff return. So our defense was absolutely dominant. They allowed under 100 passing yards, under 100 rushing yards. Um, so truly just the perfect performance from the defense. Um, again, let's not overreact. Obviously, that's what you should do against an opponent like that. But um, they needed a good outing. They needed something to make them feel good going into this tough stretch of games they have coming up here. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, overall, I was very happy what I saw in defense. How about you? So for the defense, you know, I definitely thought that they did what was expected. Um, I think with coming in against Tosin, it was kind of easy to expect the defense to look better. Um, I'm still not sure if they are better or not, though. Um, you know, the defensive line always continues to look good. Jordan Jefferson had a tremendous game. Um, I do like that they were experimenting with different things. Um, but, uh, you know, even though spells did play a decent amount um, and they did kind of switch guys in and out a little bit more, it was kind of hard to tell, at least from, you know, being at the game and then looking back at the snap counts that are unofficial at this time, you know, how much some of the young guys got to play against first team Tosin players or alongside other first team West Virginia starters. So, um, you know, I'm happy that the defense looked good and we didn't get shredded by Tosin, but by no means do I think that, you know, this makes me feel better about our defense moving forward because this is the way we should play against Tosin, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. And that, and that is kind of how I feel. I mean, it was a very impressive performance, how much we scored, how much, how dominant the defense was, but yeah, I'm with you. Like I keep saying, you know, we got to kind of um, keep expectations where they belong. Um, one thing that is a bit of a concern was kickoff coverage and uh, allowing that touchdown. I know it was just one play, but Neil Brown even alluded to it in his press conference that, um, you know, WVU had this issue last year um, with giving up bad field position due to bad kickoff coverage. And we thought that we took care of that by getting that kid from Florida State. Um, and honestly, I thought he did pretty well the first couple games, but, uh, you know, it wasn't really putting it in the end zone against Towson. So, um, I mean, I hope that doesn't <laughs> rear its ugly head again. Our, 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 sorry, our defense is going to need all the help they can get this year. It seems like with good field position. Um, so I, I hope that's not a reoccurring problem. He, he, number zero, I think his name was Hunter. I hope I'm right about that. He was very shifty. Um, and, and so, I mean, I'm not taking any credit away from him. He seemed like a talented player, but, um, that, that's really the only concern I had about the game overall is kickoff coverage. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the biggest concern, you know, I don't think the coverage, I mean, the coverage was bad on the return for a touchdown, obviously, but, you know, Grothaus not being able to kick it into the end zone consistently um, is definitely a concern because that's the whole reason he was brought in. Um, you know, it kind of makes me wonder too, like, you know, because the first few times when he wasn't kicking it into the end zone, you know, because sometimes special teams coach will say, okay, kick it over to this side, kick it short, make him return it, whatever. You know, if they feel like the person returning isn't a threat and they have a better chance of getting their field position. But it didn't seem like that was the case. Um, there was really no wind in the stadium, at least looking at the the flags on the field goal post. So it didn't seem like he was kicking into wind. Um, and it was just kind of really strange to see him struggle to get it to that back line. Our teams where we're going to have to do that. And if he's not the person. The other kickers get a shot. I know we have like two or three different punters. 
we have two different kickers. Um, you know, maybe give them a shot, but you know, you definitely need to get special teams, you know, ironed out. Um, you know, I feel like over the past couple of years, it's gotten better, but you just can't have lapses at all. You just need to make the tackle when you can. Um, especially with the way how conservative we play sometimes that can be the straw that breaks the camel's back and ultimately ends up to us losing a game. And luckily that happened in Tosin. So hopefully the special teams coaches can get together and figure out how to, you know, ensure that they have the right guy kicking the ball off as well as everyone is staying in their lanes and making too. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you. Um, but, you know, taking it back to the positive of that game, uh, let's talk about the offense a little bit. Like I said earlier, zero punts. The Mountaineer offense came away with points on every possession. Um, and so it doesn't really get any better than that. All four quarterbacks played. All four scored a touchdown. Um, Daniels, Crowder, Nico all got passing touchdowns. Green scored one with his legs. That shouldn't come as a surprise. He's a very good runner. Um, so just nothing but good things to say about the offense. Mathis and Donaldson ran for over a hundred yards a piece. And, um, I like the fact that the wide receivers got a, a lot of good work in. We saw, um, Cortez Braham. We saw Jeremiah Aaron getting a lot of good reps and they look good. So, um, I thought that was very encouraging. what did you think about the offense? Yeah. I mean, I thought the offense played really well, um, as they kind of should have once again, kind of following that theme, but, you know, the, the thing that I was most excited to see is that they were, you know, getting the ball to Caden Prather there a little bit more early. It's good to get him confidence because he is young and he is really talented. So the faster that you can get him confidence and, you know, beating people and, you know, kind of reassuring that he's capable of beating replay, um, the better because he can be as good, if not better than Bryce Ford Wheaton by the time his career is over, because I think, you know, that type of player, um, I know some people kind of complain about it, but I do like the way that they are sprinkling in, you know, or they're splitting up carries between the three backs. I would like to see Justin Johnson Jr. more. Um, I definitely think he deserves it because he brings a completely different style of running and, you know, pass catching ability than Tony Mathis and CJ Donaldson. But, you know, I, I don't want to see Tony Mathis getting hundred percent of the carries, which he didn't. I don't want to see CJ Donaldson getting hundred percent of the carries because I don't think he's there yet, but you know, splitting the carries between the three of them is definitely the best way to go. Um, and then just playing the hot hand. Um, and then as far as, you know, the backups go, um, you know, I, I liked what I saw. Um, Jeremiah Aaron probably is the one who popped off the page most for me. Um, he showed some really good hands and he's supposed to be one of the most athletic guys on the team too. So um, if he can, you know, use that athleticism to stretch the field, as well as continue to continually, you know, make some of those tough grabs that he, he, he was doing during the game. I definitely think he could be a real weapon and he, he should be someone at least you should be pushing for that number three wide receiver spot because, you know, while Reese Smith has been out there, he hasn't really been producing. So I feel like that job's up in the air. And I think Jeremiah Aaron could really help fill that spot that uh, Winston Wright left whenever he transferred to Florida state. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I'd love to see him get some more snaps. And um, I, I don't know if his low snap counts is just because they think he's not ready. I mean, he, he hasn't been there as long as Reese Smith, so maybe they feel like there's not as much confidence. But I feel like um, we are going to see his snaps go up as the year goes on just because I, I do think he's very talented. I mean, he tore up in Juco last year, not only at wide receiver, but special teams. Um, but 
also a big shout out to Preston Fox. He had a nice touchdown from Nico and made a nice grab. So um, I didn't want to move on from the wide receivers without mentioning his name. I like what you said about the halfbacks, though. Honestly, the only guy on offense who didn't have a good day was um, Justin Johnson. But I'm with you. I, I think Justin Johnson has um, produced in you know big time games. I mean, it's not like he's put up monster numbers, but I feel like when he does um, get a handoff or get a catch, he he does play well. So I'm fine with him getting um, some touches out there. Neil Brown has already talked about it, and even C.J. Donaldson talked about it a little bit. He's just not in um, you know running back shape to to handle 100% of the workload. So I feel like um, we're definitely going to see running back by committee. Um, for the rest of this year, which, hey, I'm, I'm absolutely fine because I think all three are very capable. Um, so talking about these quarterbacks a little bit, I know this is kind of like a played out thing that people talk about, but I think it's worth bringing up again. After watching all four quarterbacks play, obviously JT's your starter, but, um, you know, I don't necessarily see Garrett Green as a power five quarterback, like a full time quarterback. I would love to see him, you know, maybe have packages or stuff here and there like we saw last year a little bit. Um, but I don't see him being able to just be a full time quarterback at any point um, in his West Virginia career. But he's so talented. If you get him the ball in open space, um, he's proven that he can he can make people miss. Um, and, and so I think it's worth asking would you want to see a position change from Garrett Green? And if so, where do you put him? We just talked about how talented these wide receivers are. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think with Garrett Green, you know, his size definitely holds him back. And I, I definitely don't think this is the right offense for him. Um, I think a lot of the reason get so much hype from fans is that people are nostalgic about, you know, what Pat White did during his career here. And you know, having a running quarterback is always fun and it's electrifying and it's exciting. But if you look at the offenses operate today and you look at what, you know, WV's kind of built to do, while Garrett Green does bring a level of excitement to it, having him play four quarters, I just don't think is a winning formula. Um, you know, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to turn the ball over. You know, he's going to have the ball batted down at the last scrimmage because he is, you know, maybe 5'10", 5'11", um, on a good day. Um, but I mean, I think you look at Will Crowder, Will Crowder looked really good. He was precise he had some running ability and obviously Nico, uh, looked good as well for his, you know, being a true freshman playing in a power five conference. Um, you know, even at what, even though it was against an FCS school, um, he did show, you know, good pocket presence. He did show the ability to, you know, get the ball to where it needed to go. And he did have a nice touchdown pass. So, um, you know, while Garrett Green, I think, does serve a role as maybe like a um, like a trick play package type quarterback. Um, if he does want to play quarterback, I don't think it's going to be necessarily at a power five school. Um, and if it is, it would have to be a very option heavy school. Um, but, you know, the other two guys, I definitely think have the ability to take over from JT Daniels, whether that's next year or the year after that, because I think, you know, their combination of being solid athletes as well as having the arm talent to really get the ball to, like you said, that the talented wide receivers that we've had are there with those two other guys. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, of course everyone loves Garrett green. I love it when he comes out there, he's exciting. He, he makes plays in open space. Like we keep saying, he's a great runner. 
Um, but like you said, over four quarters, I feel like Big 12 defenses would strategize against that. They would just know that he can't throw the ball very well, and they would just, you know, spy the quarterback and keep him in the pocket. Um, but, I mean, if he comes out for some gadget plays, I'd still be excited about that. I honestly think he would tear up as a quarterback in Juco or maybe a, a lower level, um, you know, Division One college school. But, yeah, at West Virginia – I, I don't see him being much more than just, you know, a special package quarterback um, because if JT Daniels gets hurt um, at any point, I see Will Crowder probably taking over at quarterback, maybe even Nico if he keeps developing. Um, but I mean, I feel like people sleep on Crowder a lot. He was six for six. And it seems like every time he gets the chance, he he seems to impress. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think with Crowder, um, I think the coaches probably don't talk about him a lot, but, you know, I think, you know, maybe it's kind of like a, a hidden weapon sort of thing. I I don't know if there's any truth to that, but, you know, it's, you know, you you don't want to talk about him in a way where you're overshadowing Nico because he's a shiny new toy and Nico has all the, the, the hype in the world. Um, So you don't want to urge him. Um, And also with Garrett green, you know, he, he's kind of the number two, just by think, because, he brings a different element to the game. Um, like you said, I think if JT Daniels were to go down, I do think it would be Will Crowder, and I think he would do just fine. Now, by just fine, do I mean he would be able to do the things that JT Daniels is doing now? I don't think so. Um, you know, I don't think he'd be able to run the offense as well, but I do think that, you know, we'd be still be a solid offense. Um, you know, he would still make his mistakes. He would still have some growing pains, but, you know, I like everything – about him in terms of, you know, physical build, um, his attributes, um, his athletic, um, you know, all those things look good to me. So um, I agree with you that I, I do think Will Crowder would probably be the next guy up or should be the next guy up should JT Daniels go down. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I heard Neil Brown talking about something in his press conference that made me uh, think of this question. He He talked about how, um, once Lynn J. Dixon transferred out is when he really started considering CJ Daniel Donaldson, sorry, at um at tailback. I mean, it was always in the back of their mind. They knew he was well-rounded and could play lots of different places, but once they only were down to three scholarship running backs, that's when they really, you know, wanted to entertain the idea. And so that made me think of this question. Is Lynn J. Dixon transferring out the greatest thing that could have ever happened to this team? Because without that, I mean, who knows? Maybe we don't have C.J. Donaldson at tailback right now. So what do you think? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I never thought about that until you brought it up. And, you know, it's the truth. I mean, unfortunately, I think, you know, Lynn J. Dixon did open the door for C.J. Donaldson um, quite a bit. I mean... I, he wouldn't, CJ Donaldson would not have been on my radar unless the coaches talked about him. You know, I always thought he was a tight end. I thought, you know, he had good high school numbers for a tight end. He was a little small. I mean, 6'2 isn't big for a tight end, um, but that's big for a running back. And 240, 240 pounds on top of that is big for a running back. Um, and even when they said, like I said before, that they were going to move him running back, I was thinking, you know, like an H back type guy. Um, and I was wrong about every single one of those things. And I'm not disappointed about that at all. But, um, you know, Lynn J. Dixon is kind of an enigma. I mean, um, re- you know, in spurts did really well at Clemson. But, 
you know, I feel like he's just in his two head too much. And, you know, for being the guy who's supposed to come here and be our home run hitter, um, he opened the door for another guy who kind of unexpectedly be our home run hitter in CJ Donaldson. Yeah. Yeah. And well put. Um, one more thing that we wanted to talk about is um, I don't know if you caught this, but our former West Virginia player, Sam Brown, who now plays uh, down at Houston with Dana Holgerson, he committed a bad unsportsmanlike penalty and got absolutely lit up by one of his teammates on the sideline. Joseph Manjack came over and just tried pushing him over, but then Sam Brown grabbed his face mask and it was just a big scuffle on the sideline. Da- Dana Holgerson said at his press conference, they got over it. They ended up making up, which I believe them. I mean, teammates get heated. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. Our former player, our former coach has this big blow up on the sideline. So, um, I mean, obviously Dana wasn't involved. I didn't want that to sound weird, but you know, just all the former Mountaineers involved. Did you happen to catch that? No, I didn't, but it, it kind of, makes me wonder about Sam Brown and his time here. If he's, you know, that hot headed, because, you know, to be honest, we never really heard anything like was at WVU, but, you know, looking back, um, just watching practice tapes and, and different things of what Sam Brown was doing in practice. I remember, I think it was last year we were talking about it before he transferred that, you know, why isn't he getting more reps at wide receiver? Um, he looked really good in practice and albeit it is practice. It really doesn't matter that much, but some of the catches he was making was outstanding. He looked fast. Um, he looked like a great route runner. It looked like he was the whole package and he just wasn't getting time. And, you know, his first year here, I think it was the, the COVID year maybe where he got time here and there and he looked okay. Um, but he never really kind of st- stuck. And I think, other people have mentioned it before, but of all the people, players who transferred, um, how many of those players were players that were kind of nudged out the door? So with Sam Brown not playing and kind of seeing um, some behavioral issues with him on the field, it kind of makes me wonder if there's a reason why Sam Brown didn't stick around with the program. If, you know, maybe he was just a bad egg and, you know, it might be a little bit more telling about, some of these guys like your Lynn J. Dixon's, your Darrell Middleton's, your Sam Brown's potentially as guys who just aren't great team players and kind of disrupt the chemistry and just get shown the door. And that's how they end up in the transfer portal. So maybe it's reading between the lines a little bit too much, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that. Yeah. And it might've just been, you know, two teammates being heated because it was a bad penalty to take at that time. And, um, Dana Holgerson had a lot of good things to say about Joseph Van Jack saying that he'll, he'll be a future captain at Houston. So, um, you know, maybe he's just one of the team leaders who wasn't going to allow the new guy to come in and, you know, cost his team a game. So um, I looked up Sam Brown's stats so far, no catches down in Houston, but I wish him all the best. I mean, he seemed like a very talented guy um, and, you know, no ill will towards him or Dana. I hope I actually, I don't mind seeing Dana win in Houston. I know a lot of WVU fans like get happy and gleeful to see him fail, but um, you know, I don't mind seeing Houston do all right down there. But um, another former player that I want to mention is Allie Jennings. Um, We didn't mention him on the last podcast, but he's been tearing up down at old dominion. And I think that was more of just, uh, he wanted more playing time and uh, 
you know, he was young when he transferred out and he just wasn't getting it at WVU. But I just wanted to give him a little shout out for having a nice year so far down at Old Dominion. Yeah, I mean, it, it sometimes it works out. You know, that's what the transfer portal's for. I feel like when Ali was here, we had a lot of wide receiver talent. Um, obviously, a lot of it has either left or graduated. But, you know, at the time, you know, thinking about guys like we just talked about, Sam Brown, but also Winston Wright, Sam James, Bryce Ford Wheaton, um, others that I'm probably forgetting who were all ahead of him in the depth chart. And, you know, that's a pretty talented wide receiver room. So when you're a young guy and you're battling against guys who are maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit more physically developed than you, um, it could be frustrating. And the transfer portal allows players to go to a situation where they can get more playing time. Um, I'm guys who are, you know, maybe a year older than them or the same age and have to sell on the bench and have to, you know, wait forever to get playing time. So, you know, I'm happy for him. That's awesome that he's uh, doing that well. And hopefully, you know, maybe he gets a shot in the NFL. Um, I know with Old Dominion, um, how much NFL scouts would be looking at what he's doing there and saying, you know, this is a, you know, a top three round guy, but as a fifth or sixth round pick, I'm sure that someone might take a flyer on him when the time comes and, um, you know, we'll see what happens with them in the future. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And that's really all I got for, um, you know, the recap of Townsend. You got anything else to throw in? Um, I did want to bring up, uh, since we were on the topic of Houston and Dana, um, you know, the fact that Houston lost to Kansas and Kansas, once again, looked like you just took care of business. And, you know, you kind of have to remember that Houston, you know, maybe they were overrated coming into the season, but they were a top 25 team. Um, and Kansas went in there and took care of business. Jalen Daniels, once again, we are not becoming Kansas Jayhawks podcast, just going there. But I, I am a fanboy for Jalen Daniels. He had a tremendous game. Um, I mean, the guy could end up being, if he keeps going at this rate, you know, he could end up being someone who's a dark horse contender for Big 12 player of the year. Um, he He's such a tremendous player. And, you know, it makes me feel a little bit better seeing him continue that streak of dominance against Houston because Houston did have some kind of clout behind them by experts. And we know how wrong experts are all the time. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to follow Kansas for the rest of the season because they are 3-0 and and they're halfway to bowl eligibility. And I think even if Kansas gets bowl eligible, that's a huge step forward for that program. And, you know, it makes the, the loss to WV's loss to Kansas look a little bit less bad um so i, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that too because it was, it was, I was expecting yeah um maybe a little bit it still hurts just because i do feel like that was a winnable game just on that particular night just watching it unfold i feel like that's one we we could have had should have had kind of like the pit game in a way but uh yeah i mean it seems like kansas is for real thus far they're three and oh who knows they could fall flat on their face by the time the season's over but as of right now they look like an impressive team um you gotta love their coach and i agree with you Jalen daniels does seem like an easy guy to root for um you know it, it seems like an underdog story there at kansas for how he emerged last year and how well he's playing now so um yeah i mean i i'm not rooting against him that's for sure he is fun to watch um but yeah, I mean, it does make the loss look a, a little better, but uh, I don't know. I don't like creating excuses yeah. for a loss. They still lost that game. 
Oh, uh, I 100% agree. Like, that's a little bit better. Um, you know, yeah, I am in no way, shape, or form saying that, you know, <laughs> we should have lost to Kansas. Because, you know, I do think that we should have easily won that game. I think we have the players to do it. But, you know, I, I feel good for Kansas because they're in the right direction. And it kind of puts in the context to how quickly a good ca- coach can turn around a, a floundering program. I mean, Lance Leipold, um, two seasons at Kansas, and they're already looking like they've made market improvements in multiple areas where, you know, not to kind of pile on the Neil Brown um, hate train, but, you know, it's been four years for Neil and we're still kind of talking about some of the same stuff with him. So it's good to put things in context. And um, yeah, I think that looking at Kansas compared to WVU is a great, you know, case study on good coaches versus questionable coaches. Yeah, I'm with you. That guy just seems like a winner everywhere he's been. I mean, he dominated at the lower level. He he competed at Buffalo, and um, I don't know if he had anything else on his resume. He was at Buffalo before Kansas, correct? Um, I think I don't so. remember. I'd have to look that up. But um, yeah, I mean, that dude's a heck of a coach. And, you know, basement dwellers in the Big 12, I normally like seeing them do well. Obviously, I don't like seeing them beat our team, but uh, I like <laughs> seeing them be successful because, you know, the, the better the competition in your conference, you know, the more it blosters your conference and, you know, the better you look when you have a decent record. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind seeing them have some success over there, but um, that's it for us guys. I'm super hyped to break down this Texas or sorry, Virginia tech game um, with Giovanni. So we are going to end this episode and we're going to get him on and start interviewing him. So go ahead and hop over to the episode and see what we have to say about the um, black diamond showdown. So thanks for listening guys. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Thanks everyone. And we will uh, be checking the numbers to, figure out if you guys are actually listening. So please at least listen to both episodes. It's all we can ask. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Later guys.